Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We continue with our series The Detox. Here's Christine Geshong. Hi church, it's so good to be back with you. Uh, as you know, we've been doing the detox series and uh, last week we looked at what true repentance and what false repentance look like. And of course, we heard about how true repentance is from the heart and not from the mouth. And in line with that, we're going to be looking at something today called heart idols. Um, as much as the heart is an integral part of our lives, uh, it's also very deceptive. That's what the Bible says. And why it is deceptive is because uh, we have a tendency to create our own false gods. And those are what are heart idols. John Calvin said this, that our hearts are factory of idols. And isn't that the truth? Each one of us, if we were to look deep inside, uh, these heart idols are actually the sins behind the sins. So when we repent, we've been talking about repentance. We come before God and we, we acknowledge who we are. A lot of times, the surface sins that we exhibit are a manifestation of what our heart idols are. And so today I want to ask you to look deeper. This is not a time to judge ourselves, but rather to look deeper within ourselves. See what exactly is triggering these surface sins? What is responsible for these surface sins that we seem to be committing again and again? Uh, I was looking at myself this week as I was preparing. It was very interesting. The whole lockdown, three months at home, um, the house has been in disarray. Most women would agree with me. Um, the house is completely upside down. It looks like a bomb has exploded. Um, most of the rooms are completely upside down. How much ever I try to clean it or set it up, it just seems like it never gets better. And I knew I was having a hard time dealing with that because I like to have things in order. Um, but I knew it had gotten really bad when this week um, I was uh, consistently going on cleaning up the beds and tightening the bedspreads and, uh, you know, adjusting the pillows and things like that. And I knew it had gotten really bad because this week I did it when the kids were sleeping on the bed. And I knew that something was up. And so the, and I realized I was getting so irritated with the children for, for constantly messing things up. Um, my husband and I were always saying, put that in its place, be in that room or and it finally got us thinking and it got me thinking. I don't know whether my hus- it got my husband thinking, but it got me thinking. It got me thinking about what actually was triggering all of this irritation. What was actually triggering all of this impatience? Because I felt like there was something wrong. And the closer and closer I looked at myself, I realized that I had an idol of perfection. I had an idol of control. I needed control over things in my life. Three months now, no control whatsoever. It, it feels like things are more out of control, out of my control than ever. And I also realized I like things in order. I like things to look perfect. Even if the cupboards are full of stuff stuck inside, on the outside of it, I liked things to look perfect. And here it was absolutely not looking perfect. And that's when I realized there was an idol at play here. There, had, there was something that I had elevated to a place which was more important than all the really important things in my life. And that showed me that I had a heart idol. I don't know what it is for you today. But I pray that as we go through this half an hour, that you will be motivated to look deeper at yourself. Can I just say a quick prayer for us? Father, I pray even as we introspect, even as we look deep within ourselves, as we look at your word, that it would be a mirror to us. That Lord, you will show us exactly what we need to see in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. 
So what is a heart idol? A heart idol is anything that takes our focus away from God. Anything that moves our eyes off Jesus. That's what a heart idol is. It could be anything. It could be anything ranging from our work, our finances, our ability, our strength. Um, it could be our children. It could be um, our pursuing our purpose in life. Anything that takes top priority, that becomes an idol. So why is it so important to deal with this idol? Okay, I mean, you might just say, well, it's, it's deep in my heart. Who's going to see it? Nobody's going to see it. It's not affecting anyone. The truth is it does affect us. And I'll explain why. Why do we need to really, really, really deal with our heart idols? This is why. For our spiritual growth as believers, we need to keep Christ as the center of our focus. Anything else that comes in will disrupt this order. Every, anything else that comes in will distract us from Christ being my savior. Like I said, a an idol is a false god. It promotes a false gospel. It gives us this fake assurance that anything else can save me other than Jesus. It gives me this ability to think that I can achieve this on my own. I don't need God. So it is foundational to us that Christ is our focus. That's very important. Matthew 6 verse 33 said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's very clear. Jesus has to be our primary focus. Our God has to be our primary focus in order for everything else to fall into place. Idolatry also disrupts our faith. That's another reason why we must deal with idolatry. In John 6, Jesus has this very interesting exchange with his disciples. And this is what they ask him. What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. I don't know if you resonated with this, but the minute I read this, I heaved this huge sigh of relief. So I don't need to do anything per se for the works of God. I just have to believe him. But why is it so hard to sometimes believe him? Sometimes our faith is so wavery. It's because there's an idol that is seated in the place of where my Jesus has to be seated. Idols disrupt our faith because they take our eyes off Christ. In my issue, if we consider my idol, my idol of control, um, I think it's because of my multitasking, my scheduling that my family is running perfectly or my family is running as per schedule or things are all in place. But the truth is, it's all God. If today we stand, we breathe, we do things, it's because of God. I have nothing to do with it. As we know, faith is based out of a relationship. It's because I have a relationship with Jesus that my faith in him grows and it gets deeper and deeper. But the minute other things come in, Jesus is pushed to the side. He gets the measly remains of our faith. Other things get our faith and attention. My, my ability gets my faith. I think I can achieve all this on my own. I think that my purpose is bigger than anything else. And so I'm always pushing for that. I'm always, you know, trying to be so productive. And that becomes an idol. When in reality, Jesus has to be the focus. Another thing is that idolatry prevents us from enjoying all that Christ has given to us as his inheritance. But the minute we are saved, every promise that has been promised to those who are sons and daughters of God has become ours. But what we do is we create these idols and then they promise us things that are already ours in Christ. They promise me peace, but peace is already mine when I accept Jesus. They promise me security, but he is my security. Everything that is already promised, these idols in vain promise it to me. And so that's another problem. This is why we have to deal with idolatry because it is promising our things to us which are already ours in Christ Jesus. It says in Jonah chapter 2 verse 8, those who regard and follow worthless idols 
turn away from their living source of mercy and kindness. This is what Jonah says when he's deep inside the veil. It's like a, it's like an aha moment that when we run behind the wrong things, the things that are not Christ, we forfeit mercy and loving kindness. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on the things God has in store for me. I don't want to miss out on the rest he has promised me. I don't want to miss out on the mercy he offers me. And so for that, it's very important to deal with the idols of our life. Also, interestingly enough, idols are not always bad things. A lot of times they're things that we need. They began as good things. They began as things that were necessary even. But unfortunately, over time, they've been given a disproportionate value. We give them too much value that they don't absolutely deserve. I want us to look at 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 4 talks about King Hezekiah. He also crushed to pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the Israelites had burned incense to it and it was called Nehushtan, a bronze sculpture. If Moses and Joshua had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And I don't know if you remember this incident there, but they had grumbled against the Lord and he sent fiery serpents into the camp to deal with the people. And these guys, many were dying because of the snake bites. But God in his compassion gave them a way out. He told Moses, create this bronze uh, statue of a serpent on a, on a stick and mount it up and that whoever is bitten can look at it and they would be saved. It was like a foreshadowing of Jesus being raised up on a cross and that would be their salvation. So this was just a, a temporary solution to the problems of the Israelites. And imagine this, but till today, they are still worshipping this thing that was given for temporary relief. So often in our lives, we start off by really genuinely needing something. It could be uh, maybe we are sick, we really need uh, medicines or we need doctor's intervention. But suddenly, all of a sudden, that takes up, it eclipses God. And that becomes the only thing we look at. We forget that he is our great physician. We look only to him. Maybe we've gone through a time of uh, difficulty financially. And so we decided to save, we decided to earn more. We decided to stretch our uh, abilities and get more in. But all of a sudden, do you feel like you're just, you know, striving more and more for more and more? Maybe at some point, what was necessary has become an idea. What was good, what started out as something good for you has become an idea, which is another reason why we must deal with these idols, because they have been essential, but now have become an idea. It's also very important to look at the fact that idols are personal, which means what I gave to you as an example of what I'm dealing with in, as idolatry in my life may not be what you're dealing with. In fact, it will not be what you're dealing with because it's so personal. Idols are created by us for our needs. Each of us have created idols in our life based on the need we had. So therefore, these idols are so personal. I can't judge you for your idols I, and you can't judge me for mine. It's that personal a problem. I want us to look at Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 18 to 19 in the message. It says, what's the use of a carved God so skillfully carved by the sculptor? What good is a fancy cast God when all it tells is lies? What sense does it make to be a pious God maker who makes gods that can't even talk? Who do you think you are saying to a stick of wood, wake up or to a dumb stone, get up? Can they teach you anything about anything? There's nothing to them. But surface, there's nothing on the inside. Isn't that the truth? Each of us here are God makers. God with a small g, not a capital G. Each of us are God makers and the gods that we have created, the false gods we have created and placed in our hearts are liars and thieves. Because the truth is they have promised us security. They have promised us power. They have promised us peace. When in reality, they have only embittered us. They have enslaved us. 
they've held us back from enjoying all that god has promised and that is why for true repentance for a deep detox to happen we must deal with the idols of the heart that's why it's absolutely essential that the sin beneath the sin has to be repented of so now you may ask me now we know why we have to deal with heart idols but how do i identify the idols in my life here's a very simple way of doing it if you can take a piece of paper i'm going to give you 1 minute i want you to create three tabular columns the first column has what do you love the second one what do you fear and the third one what do you hate so as you fill these columns up with things just off the top of your head what comes first to your mind write it down on each of these tabular columns and we'll get back as to why these are your ideals when i did this so not surprisingly enough i had so many things that came down on those lists and just to give you a heads up this it, it will be confronting it will be very revealing about yourself but this is not a time to condemn ourselves this is not a time to lose faith in fact it's a time when we have something to ground our repentance on when i did this when i did this exercise this week it was very interesting i'm going to just give you exam one example i'm going to overwhelm you with what i wrote but the one example of what i wrote in each of these columns what i love i love comfort what i hate i hate pain what i fear i fear losing control these were each of the things that i wrote in each of these columns and so i'm going to ask you to take a minute get a paper or a pen or you can even write it on your phone what you love what you fear what you hate and this will be a reflection of what your heart ideals are can we take a minute to do that so i don't know what you got out of this exercise um you can work on this the rest of the week you can put it into your um a journal or, or whatever you write on every day and you can just meditate on it and prayerfully ask god to reveal the sin behind the sins but we're going to look at uh, the book of second kings we're going to look at the life of king hezekiah to understand what exactly our stance should be towards idolatry in our lives King Hezekiah was the son of Ahaz. Ahaz was one of the most corrupt kings of Judah. Judah had better kings than Israel, but Ahaz was one of the worst. But sweetly enough, Hezekiah turns out to be amazing in terms of his stance on idolatry, in terms of the way he led his people, in terms of his commitment to God. And so we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 18 verses 1 to 6. Hold on to that paper that you wrote on because we're going to get back to it in a bit. Now it came about in the third year of Hoshea the son of Elah king of Israel Hezekiah the son of Ahaz king of Judah became king He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem His mother's name was Abi the daughter of Zechariah Hezekiah did right in the sight of the Lord in accordance with everything that David his father had done He removed the high places broke down the images and cut down the ashram He also crushed to pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made for until those days the Israelites had burned incense to it and it was called Nehushtan Hezekiah trusted in and relied confidently on the Lord the God of Israel so that after him there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah nor among those who were before him for he clung to the Lord he did not turn away from following him but he kept his commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses You look at Hezekiah's entire uh, reign. There are two things that are very characteristic of him. 
if you look at the book of chronicles they talk in more in depth of who hezekiah was what he instituted as reforms uh, what all he did in his lifetime and one of the primary things hezekiah is known for was that he reinstituted worship worship had literally disappeared from israel what had happened is all these adjoining nations had come in the people had intermarried they brought their people in they were coexisting and therefore inevitably idolatry had become part of their life high places were used for offering sacrifices the temple in israel in in jerusalem which was supposed to be where everyone gathered had been closed down it had just gone into disarray there was no worship there was no um levitical priests who interceded for the people there were no um people who served at the tabernacle nothing everything had been wiped out there were no sacrifices being offered the passover was not being celebrated imagine the dismal condition of worship worship had literally died out and here was hezekiah who comes in he consults with the book of the law which was there what they read as their scriptures and he reinstituted worship he reinstituted the passover and the other thing was hezekiah really 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 based his life on the word of god without which he could not have it could not have been said of him that he relied entirely on the lord he followed the commandments that god had given moses that's what it says that he was so reliant on the word and so today i want to leave you with these two things if you're wondering okay i wrote down this list the list overwhelms me the list scares me it's okay it's totally okay because we have an answer to how as to how to deal with these idols we're not alone god has not left us uh, incapable of handling these idols the minute you pray the minute you look deeper and you identify those heart idols the first thing god is asking us to do today is to reinstitute worship to restore worship in our lives how many of us can say that our worship has been solely and wholly for jesus how many of us can say that nothing has distracted me in my worship of god the truth is if we have these heart idols idols of self idols of our ability idols of our work idols of our family idols based out of real and genuine needs already our worship has gotten diluted already our worship has gotten misdirected and so today the call upon our lives is to redirect our worship only to jesus and when i say worship i don't just mean singing of songs and playing an instrument i mean our lives are we living lives of worship does every little thing that i do big thing small thing is it an act of worship to god that's what i want to ask you is our worship entirely directed to god to boil it down to an example in my case since i said that this is an idea of control that i have the way i worship god with that is saying god you are in control you created the earth you created the worlds with the breath from your nostrils you you created everything that i have around me everything that i am is because of you and so i worship you i give you all the glory i give you all the praise i know that power belongs to you that's how i redirect my praise to him because until then i have taken up that that seat of worship i have been worshiping my ability i have been worshiping my iq i've been worshiping my um ability to multitask so until then my worship has been so distracted let's look at 2 chronicles chapter 29 verses 3 to 6 in the first year of his reign in the first month he opened the doors of the house of the lord and repaired them and replaced the gold overlay he brought in the priests and levites and gathered them into the square on the east then he said to them levites listen to me 
Now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and get the filth of idol worship out of the holy place. For your fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil in the sight of the Lord our God, and they have abandoned him and have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and have turned their backs towards him. The call today for each of us is to intentionally turn our hearts back to him. Our hearts may have been pointed in the wrong direction. A lot of times for parents, our idols become our children. Everything about them becomes what drives us, what motivates us, what helps us in in pursuing our purposes. But truth is today, God is asking us, hey, will you bring me back into focus? Everything else is periphery. I still remember of how um, when I got sick with the brain aneurysm and I had to consult with a doctor, we prayerfully sought many, many doctors counsel, but um, we settled finally on the one person we believe God had set out uh, and prepared for me. And this doctor was a really, really good man. He was a good man because he was well known for his skill in this particular area of uh, expertise. And he had an excellent bedside manner. He was so kind to both of us, answered all our questions. Uh, he was available on, on by phone at any time. He said, you know, just keep me in, keep in touch with me, any questions, any doubts. And so we really, we took him seriously. We would anything that, because it was so new to us, uh, all the headaches and the side effects and all of that. So anything my husband would text him and, or I would text him and say, doctor, this is what I'm having. This is what I'm feeling. Is it normal? And so over the course of one and a half years, he would, you know, always be there for us. He would answer us. He would explain things. After one and a half years, I was having a lot of side effects because of the medicines I was on. And I remember we went in to meet him. And as we were talking to him, and I asked him, doctor, is this normal? All that I'm facing, is it normal? And he just threw his hands up and he said, I'm sorry, Christine, but I don't know. I really don't know. It was at that moment that that facade fell for my husband and me. We realized we had been looking to him for all the answers. We had been looking to him for clarity. At some point, he had gone on to that position of a godlike status. He, we were all of us. In fact, when 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 I was not feeling well, my my parents would say, "Call up the doctor, find out what you should do. Ask him." Everyone in our family, we all looked to him for the answers. But that's when that facade fell. And when we drove home that day, we both were just really quiet in the car. And almost simultaneously, we both said, "You know what? We don't have to worry. Doctor doesn't know everything, but." God does. He created this brain of mine. He created my body. He knows exactly what's going on. So let's just trust him. And that was when things changed. We had to redirect our worship. At that moment, no longer was my doctor the great physician. It was Jesus. We had to come back. We came back home that day. Both of us prayed instantly. We said, Lord, you know what's going on with me. And so we asked that you would look after me. You would give us clarity. You would give us wisdom. And you won't believe it, things changed. Things changed in the heavenlies because we had redirected our worship. And so I want to ask you today, where has your worship been? Maybe you've been on this lookout for the one. Maybe you've been looking out for this perfect relationship, something that would lead you into marriage maybe. But maybe it's the fear of being alone that has been your idol. What if you redirect your worship to the one who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe it's been security, you're craving security. Maybe you're saying, I've struggled all my life without money. I need money. And it's true, we do need money. But at some point, has that become your focus? Have you forgotten that he says, 
I provide, for, I look after the lilies of the field. I look after the sparrows. Won't I look after you? Have we forgotten that he's a God who provides everything we need? That is his promise to us. If we could only redirect our worship and say, God, you are God. You have done all of this in the past. You are doing this in the present. You will do this in the future. I trust you. I worship you. Would we redirect our worship to God? Will we restore worship to God? The second thing that I want to turn our attention to is reclaiming of scripture. So in 2 Chronicles 32 verses 6 to 8, uh, this whole chapter is about how Hezekiah, the good king he, that he was, still had enemies. And so the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, had come and laid siege to Judah. And so what happened was Hezekiah did a bunch of uh, strategic uh, reforms in by which to protect his people. And it was it worked. It really did work. But these guys had laid siege all around the city. And so here was Sennacherib with his guys, you know, his uh, commanders and uh, tacticians and all of them. They're seated outside the wall and they're intimidating Hezekiah and the people of Judah. And Hezekiah encourages his people with these words. This is what he says in verses 6 to 8. He also appointed military officers over the people and gathered them to him in the square at the city gate and spoke encouragingly to them saying, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the army that is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him, there is only an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. I don't think Hezekiah realized the power of that declaration that he made over his people, but that made all the difference. If you... Look at what he said in verse 7. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed. Does that sound similar to you? Have you heard that before? It gives you a sense of deja vu. It's true because in Deuteronomy, Moses and Joshua reiterate all that they have done over the time of the Exodus. And this is what they said. Do not fear, do not be dismayed. For the one who is with us, he will fight for you. The Lord is with us, he will fight. So what Hezekiah was doing was, he was taking that scripture that was given to his people many years back and he was reclaiming it into this situation and saying, hey, the same God is with us. Our situation may look different. Our enemy may be different, but our God is the same. He is with us and he fights for us. Today, what scriptures are you claiming over your situation? The truth is the idol cannot fall. The idol's power, you know, it has a characteristic power for us. I have created this idol and therefore it caters to certain needs in my life. And so on our own, we can't pull this idol down. On our own, we cannot deal with it. Let's be very honest. We cannot strive resolution or resolving that I will pull this idol down it will not work. It is the power of God that is released when we use his word. That's the only thing that deals with this idea. If we look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I love this scripture because it motivates me to know the word of God better. It says, for the word of God is living and active and full of power. The Amplified says, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit and of both joints and marrow, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. What better instrument to deal with the idols of the heart than the word of God, which is so powerful. In the story of Hezekiah, what happens is he declares this over the people. 
the intimidation doesn't stop it only gets worse they send letters to him and so what hezekiah does is he takes the letters the intimidation lays it out before the god of heaven along with prophet isaiah they both kneel before god and they say look at what they are doing to us look at what they are saying help us and you will not believe sennacherib wakes up the next morning and finds that all his military men have been slain he returns to the, his own country defeated and soon enough he is killed by his own children can't get more tragic than that but that's where the power of god works hezekiah didn't have to lift a finger against the king of assyria isaiah the prophet didn't do anything they just got on their knees they claimed the word of god over their situation and there was a change there was something that changed today i want to ask you will you unleash the word of god against that characteristic idol in your life because only that will pull it down only that will remove the power that it exercises over our lives how do you find these gospel promises they're in the word ask god i for one have found that in different seasons of my life the idols i erected were different when i was a young mother i just had one kid i was expecting my second i was plagued by fear fear was like the top idol i would say i didn't ha- have the name for it as a title i didn't title it uh, you know an idol but i know i was gripped by fear i was afraid i would lose this baby and so i was so gripped by fear until i came to this place where i was tired of feeling afraid and so i, I cried out to god i said you have to help me show me that you have got this that you will carry me through this and he gave me this beautiful promise of romans 15 verse 13 which says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit and i claim this promise every single day till i held my daughter in my hands and that was what god gave me at that moment for that idol of fear that i had constructed in my life god was saying hey i give you hope i give you peace i give you joy look to me for it trust me there was a season when i was sick in the hospital and i was so worried that my body would lose control of its faculties i was so worried that i wouldn't be able to be the mother and wife i needed to be and i realized i had an issue with control the same issue i'm facing now so we have these things don't get dealt with once and for all we have to keep on and on coming back to the scripture we have to keep coming back to god and at that point when that idol of control was revealed to me in the hospital room i remember god giving me this promise from isaiah 43 verse 2 he says when you walk through the waters i will be with you when you pass through the fire you will not be burnt so god was basically saying yes you will walk through the waters you will walk through the fire this aneurysm is not going to miraculously disappear but i will walk with you i will hold you i will prevent you from being burnt i will keep you safe and that's when i realized i was not really ever in control he was in control he knew what he was doing and even today even today i know that he will deliver me from this idol of perfection from uh, the need to control every little aspect of my life the promise he gave me this time was from colossians 1 where he said for in him all things were created by him and for him he holds all things together that's what has been my promise for this season that everything that's happening right now he knows he holds it all together so I want to ask you have you reclaimed scripture do you look at scripture only you know you just pop it open see the first verse and say oh that's my verse for the day or maybe you open social media and you see the verse of the day or you open the u version app and you just see the verse of the day and that keeps you going the whole day can i ask you 
that your idol is characteristic to you it is specific to you and so when you ask god lord give me a specific verse give me a specific promise to battle with this idol and pull it down completely he will give it it's specific to your heart idol we can't do this whole generic oh the best verse of the day let me take that let me look at that uh, the social media had this beautiful calligraphy of this verse and so maybe that's the verse for me seek god deeply why i say prayerfully hezekiah had to move into a posture of prayer before the power of god was unleashed over his situation we cannot find the promises of god unless we are in an attitude of worship and prayer so i urge you to find gospel promises promises from the word of god that you can actually link to your idol and pull the idol down completely reclaiming the word of god is our only defense the word of god is as it says sharper than any double edged sword what are the weaponry do we need so if you're feeling completely overwhelmed after looking at your list and you're thinking oh my gosh how am i going to deal with this you have nothing to worry about the word of god is powerful it's active it will pull it down when you claim it with faith i'm reminded of this story of a renaissance painter called filippino lippi um he was a first century artist and he was known for incredible skill uh, beautiful pieces that he created and he created this one a uh, portrait which was basically the mother mary with the infant jesus and saints kneeling before them so an art critic was called to critique this piece of art and as he came into the gallery he stood before this painting for a long time and he was making notes and he just noticed when it came to the skill of the painter it was 100% the skill was great composition was great the use of colors was beautiful but there was something that kept disturbing him he felt like um the mountains at the back of the painting were disproportionate to the rest of the painting in fact he when he looked at it it looked like the mountains were going to fall out of the painting when in comparison with you know the mother mary and jesus who were placed in the center also there were two saints who were kneeling at the foot of the painting and it looked like they were awkward and and um, you know very stiff and they didn't look comfortable in the painting so the critic was noting all of this down when suddenly a thought crossed his head he realized that this painting had actually been commissioned in the first century to be placed in prayer halls it was never commissioned to be in, a, in an in an art gallery so what he did was the the critic got on to his knees and when he knelt down before the painting he had this mind blowing experience where the entire painting fell into place the mountains went back into the painting the saints looked completely comfortable on their knees worshiping their lord that's when he realized his perspective had been wrong he had been standing and looking at a painting when in reality he had to be kneeling down looking up for the painting to make sense today i want to ask you maybe some of the idols in our lives are looming so large because of the position we have given them because of the perspective we have given them but can i ask that we will get into a posture of worship can we get on our knees before god can we say lord i come and worship you alone can we get into a prayerful attitude where we find scripture coming alive to us that we reclaim it over our lives reclaim it over those idols that have inevitably been set up in our hearts and ask god that he will come through that he will set us free true repentance true repentance comes when we deal with the sin behind the sin it's not that difficult because when we come before god like we said in the first the first part of the series that god loves us so much and his greatest gift to us is repentance and so when we come before him he wants us to know what we can do he wants us to know what is 
hidden deep in our lives he wants to help us he wants to take us through that journey of discovering what the heart idols are not to scare us not to intimidate us but to set us free because these heart idols will enslave us they will embitter us they will burden us instead god wants to take us into a place of freedom he wants to take us into a place of experiencing his abundance will you repent of those heart idols today will you ask god lord these are the things that i love these are the things that i fear these are the things that i hate and i think lord they have become idols in my life maybe you're someone who's saying i get all that you said but i don't know who this jesus is i i have never worshiped him as the one true god how do i do that is it possible for me to find him yes yes jesus is the son of god he is god in all his glory he was sent to earth for us he died for us he rose again and in his life and in his death he provided us salvation he saved us from our sins and he's promised us eternal life so the minute you and i say yes to jesus he becomes the lord of our lives we are assured of eternal life more than that he gives us renewed purpose renewed strength for life on earth and today i don't know what you're dealing with but if you're saying i really need to worship the one not all the other things i want to worship the one can i invite you into a relationship with jesus because relation a relationship with him is just that it's a relationship there is no strings attached to this he says come to me all who are weary and exhausted and i will give you rest if you're looking for rest i suggest jesus to you today if you're looking for healing and deliverance if you're looking for the truth jesus is the way the truth and the life can i pray with you if you say i want this jesus i want this jesus to be in my heart no more all these other things that i have placed in there i want only jesus can you repeat this prayer after me dear lord i acknowledge that i am a sinner i am in need of your forgiveness and of your mercy i confess every sin that i've ever committed before you and i ask that you will come into my life come into my heart be the lord and savior of my life lord i thank you for dying on the cross and rising again for my sake i pray that my life will be wholly yours i pray that you will take control of me in jesus name amen and amen We're so glad that you made this decision. It's the best decision you will ever make. And I can assure you that um on this journey Jesus will prove to be everything that you need. Can we just pray together? Father, I pray that Lord our posture today will be one of humble reverence to you, Lord. That we will bow before you, bow our knees, bow our heads and say, Lord, convict us. Convict us of those idols in our heart that have taken preference over you, Lord. I pray that we won't stand rigid and straight-backed before you, refusing to budge, refusing to humble ourselves, but Lord that we will come before you as we are and ask that you will touch us. You will heal us, that you will remove these idols with the power of your word. That Lord we will exercise faith, we will walk in worship, and that Lord once again we'll turn back to you. that we look only to you lord for our salvation we love you and we thank you in jesus name amen thanks for listening to this message we hope you were blessed to hear more messages like this make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes 
If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.